Hello, everybody, and welcome back to We've Got Mail. This is our podcast where we have mail. My name is William Bibiani. I am a critic. I write for The Rap. I write for Slash Film. Everybody calls me Bibs. Uh, my name is Whitney Seibold. I, too, am a critic. I write for Slash Film, but not The Rap. <sighs> I wrote for the rap once. That was a good day. <laughs> uh, I published one of my reviews, and that was like eight years ago at this point. It was a while back. Yeah. Uh, laptop update won't have the part that I need to fix my old laptop until late January. <laughs> yeah. If, if you've been following this drama, uh, <laughs> William's rather heavy cat, I guess, uh, it's, sat, it's on, like a normal cat to me. sat on the com- sat on his computer when he was getting had gotten up to go do something. And somehow, yep. not knocking it over, nope. not pawing at the keys. Nothing dramatic. Not not barfing on it. Just, nothing, yeah. Just sitting just on sitting it. sitting on it. Being a cat. You know, and this is not somehow something, this is something cats screen, do. Yeah. This is something cats do. Your, your laptop gets warm. Yeah. It's, it's been a little chilly around here, especially for California. It's been a little brisk. I think the cat was a little cold. Laptop was warm. Cat was like, hmm, butt warmer. Mm. And uh, yeah, no, butt broke the broke the laptop so we're still working on this old machine i am working on a workaround to get us through the next month and a half and that will hopefully get us back up and running and with more productivity soon and that's the update on that i don't want to take up too much time on it uh so if you're wondering that's what's that that's what the haps is uh but yeah this is our letters episode this is our letters podcast of our episode an episode of our letters podcast this is an episode of our <laughs> podcast where we do letters uh and here's how it works you write in our email address is letters at criticallyacclaimed.net, or if you prefer, we have a P.O. box. Whitney, what is our P.O. box? We do indeed. You can send us a physical letter to uh, the Critically Acclaimed Network, P.O. box 641565, Los Angeles, California, 90064. Do it today. <laughs> and we do have one letter uh, from uh, our P.O. box, and, and we uh, like to start with those. And I, I like to crinkle it so you know that it's actually a piece of paper, so I'm going to extract it from the envelope here. Very nice. We've got letters in like longhand. This one's neatly typed. Very nice. Uh, this one comes from. Uh, let's see. Oh, you know what? There's no sign off. There's no and, sign and off. I don't want to read, uh, read off the outside of the envelope. That's um, the rule. We don't we don't give people's names unless they ask yeah. us, and we want to credit them the way they want to yeah. be credited. So, so but thank uh, you for the anonymous letter. Maybe they'll choose themselves in the letter. Maybe so. It maybe says, not. Uh, it says, "Dear Bibbs and Rockmeister McCruella Deville." Nice. I'll take it. Uh, a few months ago, I had an argument with my friend about whether or not a film based on true events can be spoiled. Ah. I personally believe it's possible. Think about think about it like this. Say that a film was made about the Milwaukee Wolverine, called the Milverine. Yes, it's a real thing. Red Letter Media is not even the top five weirdest things in Milwaukee. <laughs> I, I know about the Milverine. Um, uh, and Whitney hadn't heard about the Milverine before, and Bibbs told him the real things portrayed in the film actually happened. Is that a spoiler? I mean, to me, technically it is because what hap- uh, technically it is because technically what happened in the film was a spoiler for Whitney. Ah. Uh, my friend is on the opposite end. He thinks that it's impossible to, for a true story movie to be spoiled. Very curious to hear your thoughts. Uh, P.S. Your Clerks 3 review was great, by the way. I don't agree with Whitney, though. I personally think it was fantastic and one of the fun- funniest movies in recent years. I also cried several times, but the review was great. Oh. Uh, much love from the shithole that is Wisconsin. <laughs> Hashtag fuck Kanye. Hashtag fuck fuck Jared, and uh, mm. hashtag fuck elongated muskrat. Okay, that's a lot. Of, <laughs> that's a lot. Um, first off, thank you for the kind words about the review. It's always mm. appreciated, even though I'm the one you happen to agree with. It's always appreciated when you like a review, even if you disagree with it. 
Well, the function of a review isn't to uh, confirm taste or agree with. Mm-hmm. It's just to be clear about the experience you're going to get, and it is hoped provide a, a good perspective on the movie. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and you don't. It doesn't have to yeah. change your opinion. It's just oh, interesting. Mm. That's great. Uh, that's what. That's our job. That's that's, that's why, why we're doing uh, it right. That's why it's especially galling when you hear. Uh, you read a lot of articles and pundits writing about how critics are somehow out of touch. It's like, out of touch with what? Their own taste? That's the only thing they need to be in touch with. Yeah. Uh, it's not their job to reflect popular opinion. No, there was this whole thing about, like, oh my god, was it A.O. Scott? Mm. A.O. Scott, who left Top Gun Maverick off of his top ten best movies of the year list. And people were giving him shit. And they were just like, oh, how could you not have Top Gun Maverick? Mm. He saw more movies than you. How about this? Maybe those ten movies he put on his list are better than Top Gun. Maybe they are. Have you thought about that? It's just, just, critics see a lot of movies. Our opinions might be a little different from someone who sees a lot less movies. Mm -hmm. Of course they would be. Anyway, it's a whole not not a thing. Regarding spoilers, and this is actually a really good question, I think. And I think spoilers is something that we wrestle with a lot. When we're talking about movies, uh, there's, it's one of the reasons why when we review movies, we typically review movies after they've been out for at least a few days to give our listeners an opportunity to see it for themselves so that we don't have to be quite, especially cognizant. Quite, quite as touchy about you know giving away details. Because, the, because there's two kinds of spoilers in my estimation. They're spoiling the movie, which I think can be done but is hard. Mm. Uh, it's basically you're spoiling a twist ending or like the killer in a whodunit, something yeah. you're definitely not supposed to know at the beginning of the movie. You might be able to rewatch the movie after you know it and enjoy it, but the first time you watch it, it it's supposed, be a surprise. It's supposed yeah. to be a surprise. It's designed to be a surprise. Not every movie works like that. Some movies aren't designed to be a surprise, even if you're not supposed to necessarily guess where they're going. Mm. It's not supposed to be a shocker. Mm. You know, psycho. Has a surprise. You wouldn't ruin Psycho the, the weekend it came out. Right. That would be rude. But uh, there's the other kind of spoiler. And this is the kind of spoiler that I, I only have so much responsibility for as far as I'm concerned. And that is ruining someone's anticipation. Mm. Which, as in my experience, your anticipation is deeply bespoke. Well, it's, it's very it's, personal. Like what you think is too much information is not necessarily yeah, the, uh, a reasonable thing to expect other people to assume. And the anticipation cycle uh, is uh, completely based in advertising, uh, in terms of information. Mostly, uh, mostly. I, I notice there's this big disconnect between the people who are really looking forward to uh, an upcoming feature film, mm-hmm. and they will. Uh, you wait up to see a preview, or they'll film a, a yeah. video of themselves watching the preview. They'll watch videos uh, of other people watching the yeah. preview. They'll listen to podcasts of people speculating and, about what they've seen a, in the preview. A lot of people will start speculating. People will go through frame by frame yep. looking for hints and information. I've had to do that job. Like, yeah, here, here's a new Marvel trailer. You need to go through it shot by shot, see if there's anything interesting or exciting yeah, like a, to speculate upon. It's and about it, speculation. And I lost my yeah. mind doing that after it's, like two it's, times. It's, it's horrible. I don't, it's, I don't, it's not fun. I will wait for a preview to come to me organically. I don't yeah. seek one out. But um, people will even go like well out of their way to find like international cuts of the preview. Yeah, because sometimes they're a little different. Yeah, yeah. they're a slightly different. You can get a slightly different angle, slightly different line read, and maybe mm-hmm. some additional scenes, maybe some more hints. Yeah, I can appreciate it's, that. It's uh, this weird sort of culling of information mm-hmm. about this upcoming movie uh, based on the advertising that is coming out. Let's say uh, you have some sort of inside track. You work in the industry, or you're, you've seen it ahead of time. Yeah, so you've you, read the script when it was making the rounds. Exactly. Something like so that. you you actually are, have, uh, I guess, what would be privileged information. Sure. 
that's information that is maybe not any different from what would be in a preview, right? Some of it. Uh, I mean, I'm again, not talk- there will I'm be some talk- surprises. Yeah, I'm not talking about giving away the ending. I'm just talking mm-hmm. about information about the movie. Okay. The information that you have is not sanctioned. It hasn't been blessed by the advertising wizards. Yeah. So uh, people will reject it. You say you've, you're spoiling it because the anticipation process is very carefully curated yeah. by the advertising department if of the, the movie. If the advertising department wants us to know it, then it's okay. However, sometimes, every once in a while, it's still too much. Be like, oh, the trailer uh, gave away that. One second, I just realized my uh, uh, air conditioning was on. I'm going to turn it off. Yeah, so so this idea of spoiling a, a movie is very much about, like you said, it's about spoiling the anticipation process more than it is about giving away too much information. Yeah. And the information that people feel to be too much is the things that are outside of uh, the, the advertising machine. So yeah. I, I... Which is what you're... Which is what the studio thinks you're reasonably expected to know. As critics, it's our job to view a film and talk about it regardless of whatever the advertising was saying. The advertising yeah. is, is irrelevant as far by as the I'm, time you get to the movie. There's, there's two ways, I think, for critics to focus, uh, to, to, unless you're mm. just completely ignoring it. I think there's two kinds of ways for film critics to consider advertising when mm. you're reviewing a movie. And this is off the top of my head, maybe I'm forgetting something. Uh, one is, okay, if the advertising revealed it, then it's okay for me to talk about, which is, generally speaking, my rule of thumb. Yeah. If, if, if it's in the trailer, if then clearly the studio isn't mad if the audience knows that they, they want them If it's already to. been made available to the general public, mm-hmm. then you can talk about it openly. But that is in addition to what I think is a critic's job, which is to tell people what the movie actually is, and that's not necessarily what's in the trailer. Yeah, they, sometimes they won't necessarily re- give you like even the basic story. Sometimes something. the basic story isn't there. Sometimes the tone is a bit misleading, uh, and it's our responsibility to tell people what we actually saw. And of course, mm. it's filtered through our own perception and our own taste. That's a huge part of it. But it's our job to make sure when we talk about a movie that if you haven't seen the movie yet and you see it afterwards, we can't have misled you. Mm. We we have to tell it like it is. Now, again, our interpretation may be different. We might like it more than you do. But our goal is to basically say the advertising can lie. Yeah. We have to tell you what's actually in there. You'll notice that, like, they still have to advertise shitty movies like they're worth watching. <laughs> That's their job. That's their job. This yeah. is this is the, And I, it's fine. It's a perfectly valid job. They're trying to get... And maybe there's an audience for it, and, and I don't know. But that's not our job. Our job is to tell it as close to like it is as we can muster because, you know, mm-hmm. life is subjective. Um, on that note, I bring all this up because I realize it sounds a little digressive. The question was, can a movie based on a true story be spoiled? And mm-hmm. your argument was kind of. I would argue that if you're making a movie based on a true story exclusively for people who don't know the true story, you're doing something a little weird. Because generally speaking, you make a movie because you think people will be interested in it. Mm. If you're making a movie about a true story, you're probably making a movie about a story people want to hear more about. Okay. You're like, no, they didn't make a biopic of Elvis because he was some obscure guy nobody heard about. Yeah. You, you, if you don't know the gist of Elvis's life, that's understandable, especially if you're younger and you weren't around when he was bigger or right after, mm. right after he died. Um, I, I get it. You don't know all the details of his life, but it's also very reasonable to assume you might. Mm. And they want the movie to appeal to someone who does know the tale. 
Yeah. So with there, I, there are exceptions to this where the true story is just too weird or maybe more obscure than we might expect. But generally speaking, it has to play to people who know the story. Yeah. So I don't think it's fair to say that you can't spoil it, but I also don't think it's fair to be too angry if you happen to find out about a true story before a movie comes out. Because you might yeah. have done that anyway. You could have fallen down a Wikipedia rabbit hole and just found out about it. Yeah. Um, thinking of a film like I, Tanya. Yeah. Um, Tanya Harding was a figure skater, uh, and she infamously uh, hired somebody to uh, break the leg of one of her uh, competitors. It's a little complicated. It's a little, well, it's, it's a little more complicated somebody, than that. Then that guy hired somebody else. And, you know, it's, it's a whole and, thing. It's a complicated it's a, scenario. Yeah, and, uh, but basically she's responsible for it. Yes. Yeah. So um, uh, that's the climax of the movie. Hmm? But that's also uh, kind of what Tanya Harding became infamous for. Yeah. Was this scandal that she be, uh, got herself involved in. Yeah. And uh, I, Tanya, I, I suppose you could quote spoil the ending yeah by telling somebody that's how where it's gonna go but when you watch something like i tanya it's actually about the process of where this person was in her life yeah the kinds of hard work she did mm-hmm. uh the, the kind of person she was the kind of pressure she was under it actually really humanizes the character i love that movie i think that's yeah. one of the better biopics of the last decade or two it's mm-hmm. it's because again that's what most people know about tanya harding and Watching I, Tanya, you have a lot more sympathy for her. You don't excuse what she did, mm. but you understand that she had a weird go of it. Yeah. And it's not entirely on her. Um, and also, you get a lot of respect for her. Like, one thing mm. they don't talk about anymore is, she was an amazing figure skater. She was a really good figure skater, She was yeah. arguably better than Nancy Kerrigan. Like, mm. she really was amazing, and that's something that really gets lost in the weeds, and the movie does a really good job. Of taking her to task for what she is responsible for, mm. as far as we know, while also admitting she's a human being and there's, she's more complicated than that. And cats, would you mind not knocking over the Christmas presents? <laughs> cats knocking stuff over. Jesus, guys. Um, I, in in I Tanya, they I think they opened the movie with a boxing match she did. Oh yeah, later in her career yeah. when she couldn't, she was she was forbidden from ice skating. Yeah, so basically. she she had, she had to, to make do money. Something else, yeah. So she banked on her celebrity, or yeah. I guess her her infamy. And she was asked to do like one of these celebrity boxing tournaments. I think she boxed Joey Buttafuoco. Oh, God. And, uh, I about something like that. And, guys, uh, guys, get out of the Christmas box. A, a, a fun bit of trivia about that boxing match. Oh, my God. A fun yeah. bit of trivia about that boxing match is that, um, and I, I learned this from Weird Al Yankovic. Uh, he was called by that celebrity boxing commission. They were just sort of asking whatever celebrities they could, and they wanted yeah. him to fight Tanya Harding. Oh, my God. And uh, and Al Yankovic uh, and Al Yankovic said no. I don't think it would be good for my career to get into a boxing ring and just wail on Tanya Harding. That's not what I want to do. So he turned them I also, down. I also suspect, if uh, I may, Tanya Harding would have beat the shit out of him. Oh, yeah, absolutely, she would have. <laughs> yeah. Also, you know, I, I can't imagine We're not Al hitting fit. somebody. He doesn't. He doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't seem. Like, it's hard to imagine him. I, I saw the weird the Al Yankovic story. Yeah. And it it adds all these like extra melodramatic wrinkles to his life that have nothing to do with reality, like yeah. him like getting like, into fights and dinners yeah. and stuff, yeah, like being being a total asshole and mm-hmm. like yeah, like it, there's a whole sequence where he becomes like a mercenary, <laughs> like yeah. it's well, um, very very entertaining, but um, that's not Al. No, <laughs> it's no, funny no. because Al doesn't 
do that. He's he's, he's a, a comedy musician. That's the, yeah. the joke of the movie. It uh, seems pretty meek, all but, things uh, considered. But, yeah. but Weird Al did say in that same interview, he, he actually felt a flush of pride when he learned that Joey Buttafuoco was going to be boxing Tanya Harding instead, which means they called him first. <laughs> <laughs> Like they were clearly going down like a list of celebrities. I'm a little bit more famous than so Joey Buttafuoco. Even if Joey Buttafuoco was just the next one down, he was at least one above Joey Buttafuoco. Yeah. But anyway, back back, back to the main point. Yeah. Um, spoilers are weird because everyone's definition of spoiler can vary. I think we can all agree that certain things are spoilers. The ending of The Sixth Sense yeah. is a spoiler. Who the who did it in Knives Out and how it happened, that would be a spoiler. We can all agree that that would be rude. But just knowing what happened in real life, kind of a spoiler. I guess you could be upset because you didn't want to know. But I don't think you really get to be too mad at someone for assuming you knew or telling you a true story because they might have done that anyway. Yeah. Because it's just part of life and history. Dante. Dante, will you please get out of that box? Okay. okay. Yeah. You, you, you vamp for a bit. I'll, I'll, I'll vamp. Oh, God. He's <laughs> just fleeing now. Let's move on to another letter. All right. Okay. Uh, well, we have uh, an email uh, box full of people with their own sight and sound list. Yay! Uh, the sight and sound list was released just a couple weeks ago, and uh, there was a lot of hubbub because there was a new number one. And of course, everybody started speculating and making their own top ten lists. We mm. entreated our listeners to make mm. their own. We made our own top ten list uh, about a week or so ago. You can still listen to that episode. It's really long. We talk about the new sight and sound poll, what changed our opinions of the various films, and we gave what we probably would have mm. chosen were we had we been asked. Yeah. And we want to hear what you would have put. And, and if you're new or you're just uh, dropping in, you're not sure, here's the basic prompt. Sight and Sound, the magazine, has asked you, personally, to present them with a top ten list of what you think are the greatest movies ever made. And that is vague criteria, and you get to decide what that means. Mm -hmm. Is that the most important? Is that the most influential? Is that the uh, one that you feel is the best quality? Are those the ones that had the biggest emotional impact on you personally? Or some combination thereof? You get to decide. So, uh, yeah, let's dive in. Okay, uh, this is a letter from Max. Uh, Hello, Max. Dear Bibbs and Whitney, I'm sure you're receiving all types of sight and sound letters, so here is mine. Some quick context. I am 26 years old, so somewhat young, but I'm really young in my cinema lifespan, as mm -hmm. I didn't get into film until college, and even more recently, into International Classic at Art House Fair. Mm -hmm. uh, that's what your early 20s are for. Yeah, yeah everyone's, um, everyone's got to start somewhere. So this will be a newer skewing, more American skewing, and more mainstream list. Also, a disclaimer, I did put this list together before Sight and Sound List, uh -huh. and your personal lists were revealed. So I was pleasantly surprised to see some overlap. Uh, here's... Uh, in release date order, chronologically. Good. Yeah, they don't uh, have to be in any kind of ranked order for the site and sound. Yeah, we, we ranked ours, but that's... We were under the impression uh, we should have, yeah. but we didn't, so... Didn't uh, uh, Casablanca. Uh, my favorite classic film. I find it to be effortlessly entertaining and rewatchable. Very, very good yeah. film. Ages pretty damn well. It, it holds up. It really yeah. holds up. Um, it's a Wonderful Life. Hmm. Has any movie ever developed a character better in this than this film uh, develops George Bailey? I don't think so. Uh, made my list. Love it to pieces. Um, it, it it is it's it's pretty good. It's, it's, it's pretty good. Uh, Star Wars. Uh, I wish this individual movie got more respect. Not that it needs it, of course, but it builds an entire world while never changing block uh, while changing blockbusters for better and worse forever. To, to uh, be honest, I'm genuinely surprised Star Wars doesn't rank higher on the sight and sound poll. I, yeah. I'm glad it isn't in the top ten because I feel that it maybe doesn't deserve that. 
But it is super influential, and it is an exceptionally good movie. I think it's just everyone assumes that everyone knows Star Wars is popular, and it doesn't need to be on the art house list. Maybe so. Um, when you talk about sort of how Star Wars was influential, you'll find that you you'll you'll be talking about uh, things like special effects mm-hmm. or sound design, marketing, and sound well, design. Uh, you'll be talking about a lot thing. of uh, technicals and exterior elements. And I think they're all connected. not necessarily a, like the kind of storytelling it introduced. I think they did that too, though. But anyway, uh, The Shining next. Okay, uh, horror, my favorite genre, and I knew I needed a representation here. This film might have my favorite cinematography and score ever. Terrifying film. Uh, the King of Comedy. Oh, good uh, pick. My favorite Scorsese and my favorite De Niro performance. One of the finest. Great final scenes ever. I've not seen The King of Comedy. You, you would yeah. love The King. I was a latecomer to King of Comedy. Mm. I only saw it for the first time a few years ago, like uh, like a little, like a year or two before Joker came out and like no, no. ripped it off. And <laughs> lovingly so. They're, they're, they're being upfront about it. Yeah. But um, De, Niro, De, Niro, De Niro's in Joker. Yeah, I know. So. No, they, they know uh, what they're doing. Yeah. They're, not, they're not hiding it. But King of Comedy is a better version. Uh, do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gun to My Head would probably be my number one pick if I had to pick one. Great movie. Uh, Ed Wood, my personal mm. favorite movie ever. A movie about loving film and loving filmmaking, even at its most incompetent. It's also one of the funniest movies ever made. It was a very inspirational film to me when I was growing up. Yeah, the, uh, the more I know about how it manipulated the story and Ed Wood's actual relationship with Bela Lugosi, it's, mm. like, it's hard for, harder for me to romanticize it, but it's still yeah, a very well-made film. It, it, it is... Uh, it, it, Rose-colored glasses. Uh, th- there, there were scenes uh, that were cut from Tim Burton's movie that actually made Ed out to be a little bit more of a monster, a little bit more of an opportunist. Uh, yeah, know? like it, and taking advantage of a lot of people, and they yeah. cut those scenes out, like yeah. trying to make him look more like this bright-eyed guy. Well, he, uh, he was far yeah. more mercenary than that. Yeah. Um, before sunrise, uh, really, the whole trilogy could be here, but the original list is still the best in my opinion. Uh, and I lost my place. You can do it. I believe in you. <laughs> Some of the greatest dialogue and most natural performances ever. And uh, finally, Weekend. Oh, I've never uh, seen Weekend. Bought this sight unseen on Criterion after seeing Barry Jenkins recommend it, and I felt like I already had have worn out the desk. Oh, and there's one more. Uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Ah. Uh, yes, I always had it. I knew I needed a female-directed movie, other queer movies, and other international films. This isn't a token spot, though. It's here because it's a great fucking movie. Uh, thanks, you two, for everything you do. Listening to you talk movies makes all my travel so much easier. Additionally, while uh, why do you feel Casablanca places so low on these lists? Growing up, I always heard Casablanca held up with Citizen Kane as the greatest movie ever, but Sight and Sound doesn't reflect that, says Max. Uh, two things, real mm. fast. Um, I also felt vindicated when Portrait of a Lady on Fire not only made the top 100, but cracked the top 50. <laughs> I was genuinely impressed. I really did not see that coming, mm. but I'm very, very happy. It was on my top ten. Like it was one of the few films that I knew was going to make my top ten. Yeah, even though it was relatively recent, because that is sometimes you see a movie and you just know it's that great. Mm. And that I consider to be one of the great love stories. Uh, In the mood for love is, I guess, considered by sight and sound people the greatest love story of all time. It ranked higher than I think any other love story proper. Mm. Uh, was it at number ten? It was. It was. It, it was. Yeah. It was. No, it was higher than number ten. It was like number five or six. Oh no, kidding! Okay, right. Like it was in the middle. Like it was wild. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I like that movie more than you do. I know you're not yeah. a huge fan, I, but I'm, I, I'm the only one who's not. So you know, yeah. you don't have to apologize. No, no, it's fine. Just for the record, uh, we we don't even agree on that. But I would argue Portrait of a Lady on Fire is an even better romance. I think it's an yeah. even better film. Um, 
Hmm. Regarding the question of why doesn't Casablanca rank, I, I suspect it's exactly what I was just talking about with Star Wars. I think Casablanca, although it is considered a classic film, it is a very populist film. That is it's, that is mainstream for its era. Yeah, uh, the director Michael Curtiz did uh, films like Captain Blood. He like did and the Adventures of Robin Hood in yeah. horror movies. He did the original Mystery of the Wax Museum. Yeah, so uh, he, he yeah. was uh, he was a genre guy. Yeah, he was the Mike, and, well, this is a cliche. He was the Michael Bay of his time. Yes, and uh, <laughs> probably more like the Spielberg. He was a little bit more, had a little more variety in his yeah, work. But, uh, but yeah, point being, he directed this uh, wartime uh, romance slash uh, melodrama. Yeah, yeah, war melodrama. The guy whose girlfriend left him mysteriously comes back into his life, married, and now she's Mar- married Mar- to like a freedom Mar- fighter. Yeah, married Mar- to I, the leader of the French underground. How am yeah. I supposed to fucking compete with that? And do I betray him to the Nazis to get my girlfriend back? That is some serious soap opera shit if you really boil yeah, it down to its essence. And and it was directed like an action film. It's yeah. like really quickly edited. There's a lot of really interesting angles uh, and it still plays. And I, I think there's a certain kind of populist filmmaking mm-hmm. that uh, when you're making a sort of a list for posterity, one might tend to skew away from mm-hmm. because it it doesn't uh, you have it doesn't it, need you. Well, it, a, doesn't, we, a, we it doesn't need you. And yeah, it's already B, popular. It's, it's not necessarily introducing new, interesting ideas into the conversation. That's uh, fair. Even though it's yeah. very influential, and a lot of people have ripped it off over the years, including Star Wars. Uh, I think it's fair to say that, yeah, Casablanca didn't push the medium forward in any way. Yeah, it's... When it comes to sort of like a certain kind of pop style, yeah. that's seen as less impressive because that, those kinds of movies are made all the time. Yeah, I also think of uh, something that George R. R. Martin once said. I think he was talking about the um, uh, the Hugo Awards or something similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, and there was some consternation over, oh, all well, the nominees aren't the most popular thing. This is the same argument about like, oh, why is a Top Gun on a top ten list? And he had a great line. I think I'm getting it close. I, I know I'm getting the point right. I, I think I'm getting the wording just about just about right. Popular things don't need awards. Mm. Their award is they're popular. Yeah, they already yeah. they've already won. Mm. They've won over your hearts. They don't need a statue. They don't need to rank super highly on sight and sound. Mm. It's secure. Yeah. Especially something like, and again, Casablanca might not seem super accessible if you're just getting started on your film journey today. But in context, and once you actually start exploring the film of the of the of the time, mm. you'll see it's incredibly mainstream. Yeah. It's brilliant. It's brilliantly <laughs> made. There's no argument about it. But it's incredibly mainstream and it doesn't really feel like it needs the extra boosts that something like Jean Dielman, mm. which I guarantee you a lot more people will see now. Absolutely. Than probably would have ever like even heard of it before. Mm. And that's incredibly exciting. So I yeah. suspect that something like that's afoot. All right. Uh, let's move on. That's a great letter. Okay. Thank you. Uh, great he, list. Here's a letter from Hans. Uh, this is a sight and sound list. Okay. Uh, these are all going to be sight and sound lists, by the way. Yeah, um, we're going to do a lot of these. Uh, dear, and probably over the next couple of weeks, we got. Yeah, we, we, um, we won't. We won't let it dominate the podcast for more than maybe this episode. But okay. we'll keep yeah. them trickling in. Uh, dear Bibbs Whitney, I wanted to write in my list uh, if I was going to submit this the Sight and Sound poll. Here's a caveat, though. I am 27 years old. Okay. Don't, don't apologize for <laughs> your age. Never apologize. Everybody has their taste. Now, here's fine. what people are yeah. doing, and I think I think we do this, too, to a, to a different extent because we have different mm-hmm. things to talk about. Context. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, here's the list of films and here's where I'm coming from. Mm. And if I was coming from a different place, if I was older, if I've been on this journey longer, if I had a different expertise, I freely acknowledge the list would be different, but I am explaining my taste. And that's yeah. fine, just don't apologize for it. Mm. Contextualize, sure, but don't apologize, you're fine. Uh, I'm 27 year old, years old, I'm still young in my film journey, I only really started getting into film and earnest in my 20s. Same deal yeah, as last, a lot of people last, uh, in that boat. That's great. I grew up in a fairly sheltered home. I've tried to go back and mark every film I've watched on Letterboxd. And while I'm sure I've missed a few, my total number is about a thousand films. Mm. So many films that are considered classics I just haven't seen yet. Yeah. And while I'm trying to rectify the situation, I only have so much time. This is That's this life. Is, yeah, this is what when, life is. This, um, is. this is one of the reasons why film critics are like have different tastes than a lot of people. We have the time because it's our job yeah, to we, see more movies other people don't because they're in school, they have work, they have other obligations. Yeah, yeah. It's to- Film is time-consuming. You can't watch it on fast-forward. You can't read the <laughs> Wikipedia page and get the gist of it and give a review. You, However long the movie is, you have to set aside that time. Yeah, And yeah. that takes time. Uh, that being said, I went to film school a couple of years ago, and Ooh. now I'm working as a filmmaker, doing mostly hey. corporate video advertising work. Still uh, cool. You know, Herc Harvey started that way. So, yeah, made um, one of the best movies ever made. Yeah, uh, and uh, have been eager to expand my film knowledge. So, enough preamble, here's my list. I wrote a paragraph on each telling the reasons for the picks. Feel free to omit them for the sake of time if you wish. I'm going to read them. You read them, of course but I'm gonna read them, yeah. be, be expedient. Also judge me if necessary, but maybe not too harshly. We do not, We're not going to judge. Look, Even uh, if we disagree, it's 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 your taste. If you put a like a film I genuinely love, like if you say Space Jam, uh, <laughs> we we might we I'm, might you I'm might gonna, get an eye roll. I'm going to look at you a little askance and yeah. really need an explanation. There, there's there's not a lot of films that I would go, oh, I don't know about this, <laughs> and most of them are like, you know. Hmm. Uh, triumph of the will like I'm gonna be like I might be like ah, I don't know about right. this alright to the list okay. uh, number 10 and these are ranked uh, number yeah. 10 My Neighbor Totoro ah. the first of two Hayao Miyazaki films on my list okay. I love his films the reason for this one stands out as me is how authentically it portrays children who are facing difficult times it uses language of whimsy and adventure while maintaining the, an undercurrent of uncertainty and it's incredibly powerful wonderfully well, well stated put, yeah. uh, better than I uh, said it actually I think <laughs> uh, number 9 Drive My Car oh Good choice. Uh, easily the most recent film on my list. I saw this after hearing a review of it. In fact, I drove about an hour and a half to the nearest theater showing it, and it blew me away. Wow. Uh, the way it handles complex relationships is beautiful. The film affected me tre- tremendously. It's one of the only films I've walked out of and instantly decided it was one of my favorite films of all time. That's amazing. See, yeah. that's what I mean. It can happen. Again. Like, immediately. Yeah. It's, it's not about just getting swept away by something mm. new. It's every once in a while you know your taste well enough and go... That's a damn near perfect movie. Yeah. That movie's Look, great. When they're putting on like a multilingual rendition of Chekhov and they spend a huge <laughs> amount of time rehearsing, it's like, you made this for me. Thanks. Did, I, did yeah. I see this movie before you drive my car? You did. I think yeah. I saw it and I told you this is a you movie. You <laughs> see I loved it too, but this is very I, much a win. And I, I love driving my car. Yeah, it's a great movie. Uh, number eight, 2001 A Space Odyssey. I can't add much to the conversation on this one. It's great, breathtaking visuals, interesting philosophies, and just a triumph as a whole. Yep. Uh, number seven, Robocop. Yes. <laughs> This is a film I saw for the first time this year, and I'm dumbfounded wow. how timely it is. Paul Verhoeven was ahead of his time, and I was laughing, but also dismayed on how dead on some of the themes and commentaries are. Yeah, it's, I, it's still relevant. I consider that, like, up alongside, I, I put it on my top ten, I consider that one of the best pop films yeah, ever yeah. made. Like, right up there with Star Wars, right up there with Casablanca, just well, just hitting zeitgeists right. and really, really hard and doing something actually kind of daring with it, though. 
Well, it, it, it's pop filmmaking, but it's also a satire of pop yeah. filmmaking. So it, it functions. It on, works on a lot of levels. I love it. Uh, number six, Harlan County, USA. Ooh. That's an interesting choice. This documentary I saw in film school, and it really had an effect on me. Like the last one, it stood out to me how timelessly it still is. There's a deliberate editing choice here in which you see the miserable state these mine workers are in, juxtaposed with an announcement from the higher-ups saying that they will get a holiday on their birthday in which they still have to work, but they'll get paid an extra 50%. Get time and a half on your birthday. Thanks. I love how the film uh, doesn't need you to tell how tone deaf it is directly because all you need to do is look at these people and you see how terrible the conditions were for them. Yeah, Harlan County, USA is about... um, It's about miners in Harlan County, USA. Yeah. And and the horrible things they had to suffer. Uh, I've actually never seen that movie. uh, It's it's been a while, but yeah. Maybe... There's maybe no other genre I'm as... Like... I have as much catching up on to do as documentaries. It's okay. just, uh, I haven't spent as much time with them as I probably should. Uh, there are a lot of good ones. Out oh, there. I know, um, I know. Uh, number five, The Shop Around the Corner. Yay! To me, this is the quintessential romantic comedy. It's funny, romantic, and even sad at times. I love it, and I feel it doesn't get talked about as often as it should. We watch that every Christmas. We watch mm-hmm. Christmas in Connecticut every Christmas. We watch Shop Around the Corner every Christmas. Mm-hmm. That is a sparkling rom-com, and it is so rich with character and detail. You can watch it for the 50th time and notice a little something different. Oh, that's like a fun. little a little turn a little thing that never was explicitly said but now you realize oh wait that character did that mm. and they never actually said who it was but it was clearly him <laughs> like, it's so great I love that it's so good yeah wonderful I haven't seen that you've never seen Shop Around the Corner I haven't seen Christmas in Connecticut either but, all uh, these years and you've never seen it I, I, I keep I, talking of this whole time I saw the, the one that Schwarzenegger directed <laughs> Yes. But I haven't seen uh, you should what, see what was it, like 1940-something. 1946, uh, I want to say. No, it was a little, little I think it was 43. Okay, um, but I, I haven't seen those movies. There, there's not a lot of Christmas movies I want to seen. Could you do me a favor? <laughs> could you watch one? I don't care which one. Uh, one of those this year, before Christmas. Uh, if you have time. Uh, maybe? I'm not but sure. As a date. Like it's a, they're both romantic comedies. Like Watch uh, them as like a fun date night with some cocoa. If, if you can... Uh, if you can work it into our job somehow, then I'll be able to see it. But otherwise, uh, I, I, I've lost the the, ca- the capacity. Okay, um, fine. I'll figure it out. Uh, number four, Ratatouille. Um, yeah. This is one that just came out right uh, in the right time for me. It's a ridiculous premise, I admit, but I love the characters, the setting, the music. It's my favorite Pixar. And I decided to allow myself a few slots that are just personal favorites of mine. Okay. That's fine. It's your list. Um, number three, Princess Mononoke. Ah. Part of me feels bad for putting two Hayao Miyazaki films on my list, uh, but he is one of my favorite filmmakers, and I just had a hard time choosing between the two. I love this one because the character of Ashitaka was morally wo- mortally wounded as a result of war, but instead of seeking vengeance, he just wants to be at peace. It also contains some of the most excitingly animated action scenes I've ever seen. That movie came around at exactly the right time in my life. Like, I was looking <laughs> for that movie when that movie came it was out. Released no, in why does it 97 in the United States? Uh, why doesn't there. this. I think, it was, no, I think it was released in 97 overseas and then in 99 over here. Oh, that's right. Because yeah, I, I think it was like a senior in high school. Um, I, seriously, that I think that's one of the best fantasy movies ever. Mm. I love that movie. It's, it's really, really terrific. Yeah. Uh, number two, Seven Samurai. Uh, one of my favorite aspects of Kurosawa's filmmaking is how he's able to direct large groups of people. Oh, watch mm-hmm. watch Jimbo at some point. Uh, he's the, great. The funeral scene in this film is so beautifully directed and photographed. It's one of the single most emotionally effective scenes I have seen in a movie. It's when, also incredibly entertaining. When you watch Seven, Seven Samurai, is long. Like it's a really this long. Is about movie. three hours and sixteen minutes, and it so. flies. And it's you're watching action cinema being invented in front of your eyes. There are things mm. in that movie that people just didn't do before. Yeah, like an intercutting regular speed action and slow-mo within a scene to create tension. Mm. There aren't a lot of movies you can find that did that before that. Yeah. Like it's yeah. really 
exciting filmmaking to watch. It's incredible. Wow. I love Kurosawa. So so and at yeah. <laughs> number one, the number one film, uh-huh. Evil Dead 2. Yes! <laughs> And, Love uh, it. Okay, hear me out. This is my favorite movie. Already sold. Yeah. I saw it for the first time this year and I've, have now seen it four times. I bas- I laughed more on my first time watching this movie than basically any movie I've ever seen. But I think the film still has much more to offer than that. As a young filmmaker myself, this reminds me of just how much you can get out of, out of production mm-hmm. if you're having fun doing it. The energy here is infectious and exciting and that's what I aspire to. Anyway, here, there's my list. I hope it provided you with some entertainment. Thanks, Hans. No joke. Uh, I think I've seen Evil Dead 2 over 100 times. <laughs> that's, that's a lot. That's, that, I discovered it in like middle school. I got the VHS very early, and it was on a constant loop. I was constantly introducing it to people. I was, when there was, like, stuff in film school, we're like, hey, bring in a film and we'll talk about the editing. I'm like, I know what I'm going to do. <laughs> bring in Evil Dead 2. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, I've seen this movie countless times. It's so great. Here's the surreal thing. The first one I saw was Army of Darkness. Yeah. Uh, and I, I watched them in reverse order. So yeah, I me, saw Arm- me too, actually. I saw Army of Darkness in theaters and I adored it. And, yeah. and it's, it's like a Looney Tune. It's really wonderful. Uh, and then I saw Evil Dead 2. It's like, okay, this is like a little bit more horror-inflected, but the same kind of wacky energy. Gory Three Stooges yeah, is the vibe. Yeah. Yeah. And then you go back to the original, it's the like low-budget horror, like more straight-up horror. Like a legitimately frightening film, yeah. Uh, there, there's a wonderful scene in the first one, though, where um, a projector is left on, yes. and the film runs out, and blood splatters on the projector, and uh, Bruce Campbell sta- staggers into the projector light, and there's like projected blood mm. dripping down his body. It's like, mm. oh, I get it. You're you're being attacked by a horror movie. That, like, there's the sort of meta-commentary in there. When you pointed that out to me, I, my, my mind just unlocked. I'm like, that's what, especially the first two, uh-huh. that's what they are. It's Bruce Campbell being attacked by a horror movie filmmaker. Mm, like, that's the, it. The, the, the villain in the Evil Dead movies is Sam Raimi. It really is. Uh, what... You say that the people had fun. Uh, you talk to Bruce Campbell, and that's not true. No, he had especially a miserable the first time one. on that especially movie. Especially the first one. Yeah. But the second one, Bruce Campbell was. Sam Raimi. <laughs> he, he pushed his buddies pretty far. I, I love. Uh, I love watching a. There's like a. There's a scene in like the DVD for Spider-Man Two, uh-huh. where uh, they're showing some of the making of, and. Th- They'll show things like, you know, when there's like a scene where Tobey Maguire, like he, he drops his books on his college campus mm. and people walk past him and nudge him and then someone just whacks him with a book bag uh-huh. and they'll just show you that scene and then they'll freeze frame and they'll put an arrow and say, that's Sam Raimi. <laughs> <laughs> just wants to abuse his lead actor. A little bit, a little bit, to an almost worrying degree. There's a bit in where um, they're on like this big green screen mm. and Kirsten Dunst is like, like hanging dangling. from a tentacle yeah, yeah. from, because like dr octopus has her and there's just this moment where sam raimi walks up to her and says hey kirsten do you want this to be a good movie or a bad movie and kirsten is like good movie <laughs> and it's like oh, here's what i want you to do and she's like oh shit <laughs> he sees that he sees actors as action figures and i hope i hope the actors are okay with that that's all i ask because god damn it <laughs> I remember he was giving some direction to Alfred Molina on Spider-Man 2, and and his direction was, okay, I need um, uh, more good and less stupid. Like, (laughs) very very frank, that guy. Yeah. 
All right, oh, we should move on. That's a wonderful uh, list, though. Uh, yeah, Evil Dead 2 at number one. Great very, pick. Very, very bold. Agree. Great pick. Here's a letter from Jonathan. Hello, Jonathan. Hey, Jonathan. Uh, dear Bibbs and Winnie, this is my first time writing in, but I'm a longtime fan and listener. Thank you. Write in. I like it when people Please write, write in. Please write in. Um, yeah, we love hearing from you. Uh, I'll keep this part brief because I'm sure you're getting plenty of top 10 submissions. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just wanted to say thank you both from the bottom of my heart for helping me expand my film knowledge and overall love of film. I started off as a casual fan, but through years of listening to your podcast, I've discovered so many incredible films I otherwise would never have watched. Thank you. Uh, just take our recommendations. That's all a critic ever hopes that, for. That's, that, uh, that, seriously, that means a lot. Mm-hmm. There are days when I'm not sure if I should, if I'm doing anything. Mm-hmm. Like, am I making any difference whatsoever? And just hearing that someone saw a movie they never would have heard of without us is a lot. Yeah. So thank you. That, that means a lot to us. Right. So you. once again, thank you and cheers. Uh, here's my top ten list. Uh, number ten, Raging Bull. Awesome. Uh, no descriptions here, just the list. Oh, that's a great movie. Uh, number nine, Double Indemnity. Also great. one of the uh, best yeah. film noirs ever. We just right. talked about that a couple episodes ago on... Only the best, because right. it was nominated for Best Picture. Yeah, That's a podcast on our Patreon where we review every single movie ever nominated <coughs> for Best Picture, and we just started doing Best International Feature as well. Yeah, so our, ne- our next episode was a bit of a delay because it was a hard-to-find film. Yeah, so we'll, we'll get to it really hard. We just tracked it down. We haven't even tested to see if the DVD works yet. Yeah, but, but it's here. It's, it is here. It's, in, uh, it's literally in front of Whitney right now. At number eight, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Yes. Uh, number seven, Twelve Angry Men. Oh, that's an excellent show. I'm very late to that. I only watched that within the last year, and it's so good. It's 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 required viewing for Americans. No, I, I think it it, it is kind no, of I, actually, an important litany of the American criminal justice. I, I, I think there's a uh, lot of movies that purport to be about America or American, what are perceived as American yeah. ideals or institutions, and I think that is easily one of the it's best. one of them. Yeah. 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 Uh, number six, The Matrix. Great film, uh, great film. Number five, Boyhood. That's an hey. excellent choice. I like Boyhood. You like Richard, it more than I Richard do, but Winkler's it's a very good movie. movie. Yeah. Number four, Memories of Murder, Ooh, the Bong Joon Ho movie. That's a that that's uh, that, movie. And that's one I haven't seen. I discovered that early on in the pandemic. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, we have so much time. I'm Let's just gonna catch up on some movies, old movies. Yeah. And Memories of Murder is um, one of Bong Joon Ho's first films, and it is about uh, a real life serial killer who did not get caught. Mm-hmm. Um, and the police and their attempts to capture him when they don't have any experience or aptitude at catching serial killers because it wasn't really a thing that they ever had to do before. <laughs> and they're totally ill-equipped for it. Um, and then if you... The movie is brilliant, but when you're done with the movie, please see the movie. Uh, read up on what happened after the movie came out because more information came out about the actual crimes and it's wild. Wow. There should n- I'll just say this. There should not be a statue of a statute of limitations on being a serial killer. <laughs> but it turns out. Oh. Anyway. Uh number 3 is Pulp Fiction. No comment. Great movie. Uh Great number movie. 2 Doctor Strangelove. Wonderful film. No, very I, very I, biting I satire that. I always expect that to rank higher on these lists. Yeah, Sam. There's not, not as much Kubrick as you'd think. I mean, 2001, yeah. real high. Oh. The Shining, down there in the lower, mm. like, towards the 100. Like, where, no. where's, where's, like, Paths of Glory on where's this no list? No Paths of Glory, be, yeah. no Barry Lyndon, mm. no uh, Clockwork, no Clockwork Orange. Orange. Yeah, yeah you'd, you'd think there'd be more. It, it, but I do appreciate that it's not just, like, and here's eight Hitchcock movies and yeah, five yeah. Spielberg movies and four Coppola movies. It's, it's good that it gets spread around. It's just, mm. he's made, every single Kubrick movie is pretty much a banger. Yeah. So it's just weird no, that there's no not more. And uh, the yeah. number one film on this mm. list, uh, The Tree of Life. 
Hey! That's an excellent choice. Yeah, that's I, one of your I, favorite movies. Yeah, I, I love Tree of Life. Yeah, has uh, that been replaced as your favorite Malick movie by Hidden Life, or is it still? I mean, they're one? they're both astonishing. That's True. what I'm going to say. Just watch yeah. the, watch them both. Um, Fair enough. Uh, and uh, Jonathan even included a few runners up. Mm. Uh, hundreds of considered uh, Little Little Women, the Greta Gerwig version. I love that movie. Pieces. Uh, the Master, Paul Thomas Anderson movie. Great movie. Uh, Vertigo. Mm-hmm. Uh, Annie Hall. Okay. And Terminator 2. <laughs> yes. Terminator 2 is also one of the great pop movies. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I love me some Terminator 2. That yeah. that liquid monster is so cool. So fucking cool. Um, thank you both for taking the time to read this. It means mm. a lot for a fan like me to share my opinion with my two favorite film critics in the industry. You're both an absolute joy to listen to, and I look forward to writing more in the future. Sincerely, a big fan, Jonathan. Jonathan, thank you so much. That means oh, and, a lot uh, to us. And there's a postscript, mm. uh, Bibbs. Mm. Shazam was the best Schmodown team of all time. Thank you. <laughs> That means yeah, a lot the, to the, us. The Schmodown has, uh, curtain has been drawn on, on yeah. the Schmodown, but uh, it's all over. It was a good. It was fun while it lasted. It was, it was a fun thing. What was it, what was the name of your last team again? You were on with. Um, um, uh, we were the ruling class. The ruling class. Uh, that was a fun one. <laughs> I was hoping we get to play you guys. We were like building up uh, to like a, a match between you and Shazam. Like it was going to happen hopefully before the end of the year. Yeah, and it would have been so much fun. You guys had great characters, mm. and it would have been it would have been such a delight. We got to. I think we did better just because we were drinking wine. Yeah, I really loosened you up. Yeah, and it's like we're relaxed now. We just we can <laughs> recall things better. There's no pressure. Yeah, well, uh, that's that's the thing you had that even some of the better Schmodown players just didn't have. Mm-hmm. You just know it. Yeah, you didn't that, have to study. You just know you, it. Well, that, You've been studying with, it your whole life, and it's, it's the thing not with like, trivia. You either know it or you don't. It's yeah. like I can study, but why? Why? Yeah, no, it's true. Like, unless the, they the, ask you that specific if you, question. If you don't have the baseline knowledge, the showdown is never gonna go in your favor for very long. Yeah, yeah. it's only gonna be a matter of time before you hit a wall. Mm. You had the base. I'm always amazed you didn't do. You didn't have like a better career in that than you did because yeah. you knew so much more than most people who played. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, shall shall I read another? Please do. Here's a letter from Sean. Hello, Hi, Sean. Sean. Uh, dear Monsieur's Bibbs and McCool. Uh, to start, thank you for everything you do. I've always been a fan of cinema, but listening to the two of you has truly expanded my film knowledge. I've been. S- I've seen so many new films that I never would have sought out because of the passion you two bring to the subject. Thank you so Everyone's much. Everyone's so yeah, nice. Thank you so much. Oh, you're being too nice. You're making me it's, blush. It's hard to accept. Um, it's, I'm not good at accepting compliments, mm-hmm. but I appreciate it very, very much. The fact that you want to say that means the world mm-hmm. to me. Thank you. Uh, listening to your lists and the Iron List, and now with your side and sound list, has inspired me to create my own. Uh, this one was one of the hardest lists I've ever had to make. I wanted to give some credit to the great movies of the past, but also highlight films I feel they're overlooked in such lists as these. Some of these are my favorites, some are indelible classics, but for me, the number one criteria was timelessness mm. films that no matter when they were made or when you watch them still resonate and will continue to do so i'm incredibly intimidated to put my name next to a list like this but here we go yeah uh, that's the point of the titans yeah. list. you, you got, just gotta you, jump off you, you gotta know, make you the gotta, leap of faith you're putting yourself out there basically mm. yeah so number 10 the princess bride oh i love uh, it this is one of my favorite movies i love the fairy tale aspect the cast the script the humor everything about it makes me smile but the parts of the movie that have grown in my esteem and why i think it is timeless were the scenes between fred savage and peter falk mm. uh, yes the fairy tale is great but the movie is truly about the passing of stories from generation to generation and how those stories give you insights into each other and really what is more cinematic than that uh to that note mm. quibby put out yes uh yes. i didn't see all of it but it was great quibi put out uh remember quibi uh, <laughs> they were alive for seven months 
Uh, you might know them as Roku seven originals. Seven months? Were they that seven months. That, was that seems like it. a long time. 2020 to 2020. It <laughs> you, just When died. you think about the failure of Quibi, it feels like it shouldn't have lasted seven months. It feels like it would have been like one and it's gone. <laughs> they made a go of it. Oh, yeah. yeah. They made and, a go. And I, I was the Quibi fan. I loved, I loved Quibi. Uh, but they put out something called Home Movie The Princess Bride, which was made during lockdowns. Yeah. And they just sort of sent letters out to all the celebrities they could. Jeffrey Katzenberg was behind it, so people said yes. Yeah. And they said, reenact a scene yeah. from The Princess Bride in your home. Come up, play it however you want, come up mm-hmm. with the costumes, yeah. do it in your house. And celebrities did. Yeah. And... That fairy tale aspect, that idea of passing stories on to people, comes alive in that version. Ah, it's, it's like that's actually kind of the ideal way to do the Princess Bride. Just let people <laughs> retell it themselves. Yeah, no, I think that's. I think if you were going to remake it, you'd mm-hmm. want it to be someone else telling the story, and it gets kind of filtered. Yeah, and like uh, altered a little bit. I don't mm-hmm. know if you need to, but if you did, yeah. I think it could actually withstand that. Yeah, it, um, at, at the beginning, uh, yeah. they had. Um, that, oh yeah, that Fred Savage. In bed. Yeah. And I think it was Rob Reiner who yeah. directed The Princess Bride as the grandfather, as the Peter Falk role. Yeah. And then, uh, and so, and they kept cutting back and forth, mm. and it was different actors each time, but uh, that's that was at the very beginning. And then at the very end, when they do mm. sort of this fairy tales over, Rob Reiner is in bed. He's playing uh-huh. the grandson now, and Carl Reiner, his father, is playing the grandfather. That's kind of perfect. And Carl Reiner stands up and he sort of, the, you know, the last line yeah. of the movie. It's like, sort of like, it's like, hey, Grandpa, can you come back and read it again? Rob Reiner saying to his own father. And, and Carl Reiner says, as you wish. And he closes the door. And that was the last thing Carl Reiner ever filmed before he died. That's he died, really, he died really like two really days sweet. later. I've heard, I've, heard, I've heard The Princess Bride called the Wizard of Oz of its generation. Mm. And I think it is. It, it's, I yeah. think it's, 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 it's a wonderful fantasy story just on its surface. Mm. It's incredibly wistful. And it is about, in many respects, uh, uh, growing up. Yeah. Uh, th- in a sort of a meta way. Um, and it's also endlessly quotable. I know we make too big a deal out of whether a movie is quotable, but no, if you keep that's, referring, that's a nebulous thing. To it is, but if you keep, but yeah. I feel like if a movie is has imprinted itself on a culture so much that simply saying a line or revisiting an image from it is. Yeah. Telling a story instantly in someone's head, like we know what you're doing, it shows the amount of how much it has affected how many people. Yeah, and I think Princess Bride did that, Star Wars did that, Titanic did that, Casablanca did that. There aren't a lot really that have done it to that extent, and mm-hmm. I think it's just one of the it's one of the greats. Yeah. Anyway, we should move on. What's on uh, number nine? <laughs> number yes. nine. Sorry. Uh, seven. Okay. Uh, the David Fincher movie. Okay. Uh, this is the first psychological thriller I ever saw, oh, and wow. in my opinion, it's still the best. So bleak. That's, uh, that's, the, a, the, that's uh, a big one for, yeah, number, for the first. The utter bleakness of this movie is so stark and jarring, highlighted by the never-ending rain. Uh, unnamed city, too. Like, yeah, you think it's New never, York, but it's they just never explicitly say what city bleak it is. Bleak town is yeah. where it is. Uh, the hopelessness and horror of this world has never left me, and a killer seeing Im- immortality through his crimes has never seemed more relevant in the world of endless true crime show media than we find ourselves in. Yeah. It also couldn't be more different than my next movie, which is mm. Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Yay! Uh, comedy as a genre is never ironically taken as seriously as other genres, as maybe it should be. Uh, 
because it's really fucking hard. Harder than maybe anything else, especially in terms of lasting relevance. This movie is almost 50 years old. It's an absurd British farce, and it's still one of the funniest movies ever made. Mm-hmm. It stands the test of time in a way few comedies do and should be recognized for it. I think... Fair. It's, it, first off, it's a brilliant comedy. It's almost... Yeah, it's, all of the jokes it's, still... It's land. almost pa- passed into cliche is one of those things. It's, it's, almost, it's overexposed. It's so well-known. Yeah. I think, and I think, I think it's... I think it'd be passed into cliche a bit ago, and it's not as widely viewed as it was when, mm. like, in the early two thousands when we were yeah. kids, and it was just finally like, on every t shirt, yeah, and every t- and and on DVD, and people were just flocking to it. I think nowadays you could actually really introduce someone to it, yeah, and it would yeah. still feel they they might recognize some of the lines from various things that have been quoted. It's not one of those movies, but uh, still, I, I think it's still, still funny. Yeah, still and funny. I think the other thing people forget about that is it's actually exhaustively researched. <laughs> It's it actually, really authentic. It's really they authentic. Shot, they shot out in like these muddy fields in Scotland. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's actually like it's it's more historically accurate than people want to give it credit for in terms of its overall aesthetic, in terms of what it is saying about the time period in which it takes mm. place, and what it's saying about Arthurian literature. These were very intelligent people making yeah, an intelligent satire about British history and Arthurian myth, <laughs> and somehow it is incredibly accessible. It's a, it's a brilliant film. Mm. I kind of wish they gave the big budget treatment to that movie America the Motion Picture. Yeah, if they'd uh, done it, if they'd done it Monty Python style, yeah, put like, some money. Yeah, that would have been great. That would have been really like it's funny anyway. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's that movie is actually really hilarious. It's but, really good. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, number six is the Shawshank Redemption. Okay. I'm a little ambivalent about this one, but. Uh, uh, from the first time I saw this film to the 100th time I saw it, not kidding, I've seen the movie more than any other. I've been completely swept up in the world. They create the score, the themes, the cinematography, the acting, the script. Everything moves me exactly the same way every time. I cry my eyes out at the exact same places every time, and the characters have never left me and never will. Um, this is one where it's like, uh, like Holy Grail, I think it was a little bit overexposed. Mm. And it became this well, It was weird... initially very underexposed. Yeah. It bombed at the box office. Mm. It didn't... It, it nominated French Academy Awards. It didn't one, win a single one. zero, one. yeah. You know, and it just... And I think... And then it started... Uh, it was one of those movies like A Christmas Story that kept playing on cable yeah. so many times. And they noticed that the ratings were always good when they did. So they kept playing it over and over and over mm. again. And I think... Then it got overexposed. Yeah. It was kind of like this... It kind of got overcorrected a little bit. Mm. Uh I think it's a very good movie. I I think Frank Darabont directs the hell out of that movie. Yeah, I think it's I, the story is it's a little, Rick, little, maybe a little maudlin, but that's it's that's definitely fine. it's By definitely design. maudlin. It's definitely maudlin. That's not a necessarily negative. Can be. I don't think it is here. Um, I think it works. I don't find it as profound as so many people do, but I think it is a very effective drama. And I think it's really well done overall. Yeah, it's, it's a very very good a, film. Excellent pop. I, drama. It doesn't make my list of the best movies ever made, but if it makes yours, I'm like, yeah, fair enough. It's really like, really that's good. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I watched it a bunch when I was yeah. when it came out. Uh, number five is Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Yes. I never would have found this movie without the two of you. Hey. Thanks. Uh, thanks to you from the bottom of my heart. This is one of the most beautiful films I've ever seen. It's a romance that is so moving and touching. I'm getting choked up just typing about it. There's a lot of male perspective on my list. And because that's mostly what I was exposed to in my life. Yeah. And because of the two of you, I got to experience something from a perspective that I've never experienced before. And I feel truly changed by it. Thank you again from the bottom of my heart. Please. Save that means a lot to me. Fire. Yeah, it's one of the best movies. Period. Um, Number four yeah. is Network. Yeah! Great movie, man. <laughs> you haven't heard of it yet, yeah. Network is... It's dated because, like, the wild satires in Network are now tamed by what actually has come to be in the Yeah, the, the, world. Things, the things that Network thought would be apocalyptic about mass media... Mm-hmm. Are, are every day yeah. <laughs> like it's just really that's the baseline mm. now 
fucking weird, mm. man. Anyway, they the, had our number. Um, I, I I saw this movie far too young, and to be honest, I hated it. It was too mean and cynical, yeah. and I couldn't believe that we lived in a world this bleak. Now that I'm almost 40, boy, was I fucking wrong. <laughs> this movie is so prescient, it blows my mind at how right it was and is. The performances are unbelievable, and it grows and grows on me every time I watch it. And God damn it, I'm mad as hell, and I'm not going to take it anymore. <laughs> it's a great yeah. movie. If you've yeah. never seen it, please see Network. You'll, you'll yeah. be impressed by how prescient it was. Yeah, great, great really... Great dialogue. All the, the movie, dialogue yeah. is great. Ned Beatty is a very small role in that movie, mm. but he has a speech. <laughs> if you never, if you, if you only knew Ned Beatty from like his supporting role in the Albert Pune Captain America movie, which by the way, rest in peace, Albert Pune. All yeah, right, you, yeah. He had an incredible, he had an incredible career, important man. Important filmmaker for us. Yeah, uh, and I and I and I enjoy that Captain America movie, but it's not a particularly good movie. Mm. Um, if you only know Ned Beatty from like one shitty movie and then you saw Network, your mind would be blown. <laughs> because he was a guy who would do anything. He'd be yeah, in any yeah. movie after a while. But like in the 70s, my God, he could be in the most amazing fucking films. He's incredible in Network. Everyone is, though. Yeah. Uh, number three, It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. Uh, there's really nothing I can say about this movie that hasn't already been said. Yes, it's a cliche, but there's a reason. It's fucking brilliant. It's one of the movies I make sure to watch every year. It takes my breath away every time. Capra is my favorite director, mm. and this movie only is only topped by one other in his career. It's really an amazing piece of art. Mm-hmm. I wonder what that is. Uh, I wonder um, if we'll get to it in a second. Number two, Inside Out. Oh, oh, the Pixar movie. That's a sweet um, choice. Yeah, it's, uh, that's my favorite of of the Pixar studio. I, I buy that. Films. It's not mine, but it's uh, up there. Yeah. yeah, I just watched this movie again with my six year old daughter, and I cried my eyes out. No movie for me has made me look at my own emotions like this film. I unabashedly love Pixar, and to me, this is their greatest work. The characters are alive and vibrant. The story is moving and funny and charming. The world is so colorful and vibrant. I can't get enough of it. And from Bing Bong to the reunion of the family at the end, it leaves me blub- a blubbering mess every time I love this movie so much it's a fantastic movie it's one of those pixar movies where the more you dissect the premise the the more you realize it works more on an emotional level than like a proper logic it's about emotion exactly (laughs) but when it says it's easy to get trapped in the weeds sometimes with some of these high concept pixar movies like soul the way that the afterlife works makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah, like that, the mechanic is so loosely knit in that yeah. film, it actually becomes a distraction because it because it's more about the plot of it. And mm. Inside Out, it's just giving you the gist, and mm. it's a really excellently made film. I love that movie. Yeah, uh, and the number one film is mm. Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Yay! Uh, Good and, film. That's another one of those all American kind of movies. Very like American, American citizens yeah. need to watch that movie like that. Uh, Capra's truest masterpiece, in my humble opinion. Timeless, beautiful opus that I can't stop thinking about. It's simultaneously hard to look at the world we live in and a beacon of hope of the world that we should have. It's great and small at the same time, and I truly believe we've never seen its like since. Mm. Uh, There are so many more films that have moved me, but these are the ones that I truly feel stand out. Keep doing what you guys do. I have truly... uh, you have truly changed my life, oh, wow. and I can't show my gratitude enough from the bottom of my heart, Sean. Well, thank you for writing Sean, in, that's, Sean. Sean, that's very beautiful. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, Mr. Fifth Goes to Washington, if you've never seen it, you probably have like seen clips or at least imagery from it. Um, it's mm-hmm. pretty iconic. Um, it's a great movie, but I, the thing I love about it, and this is true about Mr. Smith Goes to Washington and It's a Wonderful Life, a lot of people get kind of hung up on how hopeful and optimistic they are, because at the end, they are. Mm-hmm. But the, I think the brilliance of Capra and the reason why Capra still lingers as one of the great filmmakers, even when many of his contemporaries are getting more and more obscure, uh, is he makes you work for that. Like when when Mr. Smith goes to Washington, he just kind of falls into elected office. He's just kind of appointed mm-hmm. randomly. Um, 
It's a cesspool of corruption. And everyone knows it and everyone accepts before, it. Before we even meet the character, yeah. it's established that there's just a cesspool around it. Pe- people like to think that like our faith in the American political system was shattered by Watergate. And in many respects it was. But it was pre-shattered, to be fair. Like there 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 was already nineteen thirty nine. Thirty-nine, this mainstream beloved popular movie was operating on the baseline assumption that everything in, in the government is corrupt. Uh-huh. If not necessarily consciously, then by just sort of accepting that other people mm-hmm. are and not doing anything to stop it. It's a deeply cynical movie, so that when someone actually does something inspiring and it makes a difference. It's not just like it's not just maudlin. It's like thank God, yeah. thank God. <laughs> principles, <laughs> principles can hmm. work even when it seems like they shouldn't be able to. I, I would kill for a moment like that in modern politics. Yeah, I would kill yeah. for a moment like that. And and it and you, um, you can be. I would kill time. Say that it's, I wouldn't it's... do anything violent. I would like. <laughs> I would kill some time if it would do that. I, I would not kill a living thing. Never. But, um... Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I realized um, how weird that sounded. Uh, more? We got plenty. Uh, let's do uh, one more. One let's more. do one. Okay. We're, we're about um, to hit an hour. Let's do, we can time for one more. All right. Uh, here's a letter from Musa. Okay. Hi, hey, Musa. Musa. Um, hello, gentlemen. I hope this evening or early morning, <laughs> we usually record very late, very uh, late. finds you well, and hopefully the laryngitis isn't too harsh anymore for you, Babs. Uh, it's a lot better. Thank you for asking. Yeah, can you hit the high notes yet? <laughs> Oh, I guess you should do better. It's fine. <laughs> I, was, I, had, I used to have a very wide range as a singer. We're, we're old now. Yeah, um, I've been a baritone for a while. Uh, I'm writing to share my own picks for the Sight and Sound Top 10. I loved your episode on it and definitely made me reconsider my placement of certain films within the context of film history. Hmm. You two are some of the best critics I've noticed uh, at putting cinema in context. Thank you. That's really important to me, actually. That's kind of my raison d'etre. So thank you for that. And every episode feels like I learned something new or interesting because I'm forced to reconsider the history of uh, of the art form in a new way. So thank you for illuminating me. Wow. That's that's, that's a lot. Uh, thank you. really hope we're doing Everyone's something. Everyone's nice. Anyway. <laughs> I always expect you to be like, listen, dear, dirt bags. Dear jerks. <laughs> Uh, sorry if this gets a little long, but I do feel more uh, than a few of my choices need their proper context to make sense. Great. So I wanted to stick up for genres that I feel tend to be overlooked, like mm. action. There should also be one or two assailable classics. So without further ado, Desert Hearts. Wow. An achingly beautiful romance between two women where they both get to be happy at the end. The final moments of the train station is just one of my favorite endings. And if we're already canonizing Portrait of a Lady on Fire, then I think we have to recognize one of the building blocks of the genre. Bold choice. Very, very uh, have, exciting haven't, choice. And I haven't I've even n- seen Desert Hearts. I've actually never seen Desert Hearts either, and I am embarrassed now. <laughs> and you were teaching me things. I, mean, I knew of it. Yeah. But I, you know what? I've never heard anyone necessarily go that much to bat for it. So now I'm yeah, really this, intrigued. This is this is a really interesting list here. So, yeah, um, I'm really excited about it. Let's do it. Uh, next up, Lola, the Jacques Demy film. Oh, wow. I need at least one Jacques Demy movie on here. <laughs> and even though my favorite of his is Model Shop, I can't make an argument for that movie being canonized over others in his filmography. So I went with Lola because Umbrellas already has enough attention. Mm-hmm. And Lola is just as monumental. I was surprised. Umbrellas, that is the Umbrellas of Cherbourg. It's one of uh, my favorite movies, Umbrellas of Cherbourg. I was actually surprised that I don't think that made the top 100 i was actually a little surprised didn't it i don't think so um i might want to look again i thought it did i'll I'll double check it's one of my favorite movies i've i don't i love that someone wrote down we we gotta have a jacques demi film (laughs) (laughs) it's necessary demi that's not mocking i I love that we need more of that please thank you the uh 
the, the French New Wave was mm. like such this monumental time in cinema, mm-hmm. and all of these really uh, lasting, important, interesting movies came out, and you know, in this very uh, concentrated period of time. Yeah, and like maybe two or three get celebrated. Good films, but I can only see Breathless so many times. You know, <laughs> I think it's more than two or three, but I do think it's a handful. Yeah, and and a lot of fi- whole filmmakers mm-hmm. get the short shrift. Like a lot of people would know Truffaut uh, or Godard, Godard or Varda. Tr- Godard, Truffaut, and, and Agnes Varda get like I think are probably are the, most celebrated. Probably the Trinity. Uh, I love Jacques Rivette. Rivette's great. <laughs> I love Jacques Demi. Chabrol. Uh, Claude Chabrol is wonderful. Uh, and Jacques sure Demi. People don't talk about Jacques Demi enough. They, 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 in America, the whole movement is kind of typified by a couple. Oh, oh Resnay. There's a, oh, yeah, a I, there, I, there's only like a, there's a few films. Yeah. It's 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 Breathless. It's mm-hmm. Four Hundred Blows. It's uh, Cleo from five to seven. Cleo from five to seven. It's um, uh, last year at Marion Bad, maybe uh, Hiroshima mm. Mona more definitely. Mm. Um, and what's okay. the one? I'm forgetting one. Um, Paris belongs to us. Maybe shoot the piano player. What are you thinking? No, no, no. It was um, Jules and Jim. Oh yeah, Jules. And Jim. I feel like that's probably the films that people know best. Mm. Um, all, all fine films. Watch all the, great films. Watch, watch all those but movies. That's but... actually a pretty small number of the overall number mm. of French New Wave films. I haven't seen nearly enough. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot I haven't yeah, seen, but I've seen more than those those yeah, five. I've, I've, I've seen I've enough seen, to know that yeah. my knowledge should not be limited to those five. Oh, and yeah. Umbrellas of Sherbrooke. Yeah. Which course. is a little atypical of the movement, but is, yeah. is brilliant. Uh, next up on the list, I, I, oh, I love this, The Watermelon Woman by Cheryl Ooh. Dunier. Um, watched this movie for, for the first time last year. I was blown away by how effortlessly monumental it all feels, and it's a great disservice to this film, and Cheryl Dunier as a filmmaker and as a thinker that it hasn't already been canonized as one of the greatest films ever. We were really late to this, and I yeah. owe endlessly owe a debt of gratitude to our, our listener and friend and your fellow podcast, yeah. who did a whole podcast with him, uh, yeah. B. Peterson. Yeah. For insisting that we watch this movie. Yeah. It was on my radar, but I never like made the time. Hmm. It hadn't it hadn't like come up like, oh you have to see it. I'm like, okay, great. Um that is an important movie, not just for like its actual like being the first of something, but because <coughs> it's actually set, it, there's so many movies that are about movies. Hmm. Some of them are fawning, some of them are cynical. The, uh, Watermelon Woman is about fixing something. Yeah, There's like a yeah. chapter, a huge chapter of film history that is barely cataloged. Yeah. And frankly, too many people are disinterested in it. And if this is a movie that says if we can't find out mm. what we need to know, if their history, historical record isn't enough uh, to discover all of the black contributors, and the people of color who contributed to the early eras of sound... We're just gonna have to make it up. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's bold. It's exciting. It's a great love story as well. It's a rather bitter one, but yeah. it's great. It's incredible. And the, and it's, the, it's a great counterpoint to so many other films. Yeah, Cheryl Dunye is a genius. Uh, the yeah. actress who plays her girlfriend in that movie is Guinevere Turner. Yeah, who also who, made who a like, bunch of movies, co- like co-wrote American Psycho and stuff. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, and uh, um. Oh, wait, never mind. Go, go, go. I, I thought I had a point to make, but okay. I, I didn't. I was um, next up on the list, My Darling Clementine. Mm. Uh, needed at least one John Ford movie on here, and this is my favorite. I have not seen My Darling Clementine. I can't I, you know what? I haven't either. Okay. I'm that, a little embarrassed. That, that's on us. Uh, next up, Female Prisoner 701 Scorpion. Wow! <laughs> Meiki Okaji is one of the most iconic stars in the history of action exploitation cinema, and even though Lee Snowblood is a more iconic performance, the Female Prisoner films predate it, and I uh, prefer mm. them over Snowblood. I picked Scorpion because it's the first, but I could have picked any of the first three. Have you ever seen the Female Convict Scorpion movies? I haven't. I've seen Lady Snowblood. 
but I have not seen the female prisoner. Those are some intense fucking movies. Those are movies about female persecution. Yeah. Uh, and a, a woman who fights back. It is gruesome. It's very grindhouse. Uh, the actual genre is called pinky violence. Um, and it's, it may be the best example of the genre. It's super intense. I do not recommend it to every single person. Right. There'll be people who'll be like, I can, you know what? I, this is not for me. This is way too much. If you can handle a super violent movie mm. along, along these regards, um, it's, yes, that's a great pick for a top 10. I, I, I can handle extreme shit. You can. So I'm not, I just, it's, I know not all of our listeners no. are equally interested in grindhouse exploitation type cinema. Mm. And I think this one is definitely one that is meant to be taken the right way, but it still depicts terrible things. Mm. So just a warning. Uh, next up, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, horror deserves to be canonized just as much as any other genre, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre is one of the best ever. That's yeah, that's a yeah. wonderfully disgusting movie. Um, yeah, I, I dig it. Uh, Persona. Yeah, Ingmar great Bergman's movie. Persona. That that might be one of my favorite movies ever. Uh, my favorite Bergman is actually Brink of Life, oh. but just like with Jacques Demy, I can't make an argument for it. So with Persona, because Bergman deserves to have a movie on this list, and Persona is unassailable. Persona is if, if you only see one Bergman movie, yeah, Persona is a great one to see. Persona Seven your mind. Seal, one, one yes. of those. Well, Seven Seal is one that I think will unlock a lot of pop culture because I think it was very influential. Yeah, the imagery it evokes of playing chess for your life with death mm. has been copied by everything from the Animaniacs it was, it was, to Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Yeah, it was in the a Muppet movie. For yeah, it, it's yeah. it's just it's great. But uh, and it's wonderful, and you should see it. But I think Persona is the one that will blow your fucking mind. Yeah, Persona is just yeah. so, so freaking awesome. This one, this one's a little baffling. Huh. So close. <laughs> the Korean the, the Korean film wow. the action film was Shu Chi and Karen Mock that's a cool um, movie honestly I picked this movie because Korean is one of my favorite directors and it's my favorite of his it's a precursor to Charlie's Angels and yep. other American girl gang movies that would borrow its aesthetic or its ethos and it's a culmination of the Hong Kong female action hero genre that Yen played around with in Yes Madam and She Shoots Straight but also it's one of my favorite sword fights and one of my favorite car chases and a death scene that makes me cry I couldn't leave it off you know what? Uh, that's a cool choice. That's a cool choice. Have you seen uh, So Close? I've seen So Close. I like So Close So a lot. Close played at the New Art when I was working there. And um, it was during the time when we would throw it on after hours. Mm. And you know, my coworkers would like sort of drink and sort yeah. of rag on whatever we're watching, whether it's good or bad. I was working at a Hollywood video like mm. down the street from you when that movie came out mm. on uh, home video. Oh. And it was one of those things where it was like, oh, what's this? Oh, Karen Mock. Did she have like a small role in Shaolin Soccer? Mm. And oh, shoot, she, she was in the thing. Okay, cool. And then we just watched them like, uh, this movie kicks ass. So I, rec- <laughs> I used to recommend that movie to people who come mm. into Hollywood all the time. Like, what, right. what's cool that we haven't seen? Uh, you You've should see, see so close. So close. It's very stylish and very well crafted. And it's an act. I kind of prefer Yes, Madam and a few other things. But that's a great fucking movie. That's a great <laughs> fucking right. movie. If you've seen, I, you've seen I, every I, action I, movie and you haven't seen So Close... Great movie. Having it on this list makes me want to reconsider it, because I thought it was yeah. just sort of like a disposable action picture. I mean... I didn't think much of it when I saw it, so... I mean, there's something to there's be something said I for... something to sort of maybe look into it a little th- bit There more might deeply. be more depth to it than I recall, but I think there's something to be said for just an excellent genre exercise. Oh, absolutely. You know, like, yeah. certainly, certainly craft counts, I think. Yeah. Uh, there's two more films on the list. Okay. Uh, the Matrix. Yes. Uh, maybe the most important action movie of the last 30 years. Not my favorite Wachowski, uh, no, but felt wrong to leave it out. And uh, the last film on the list is a film I'm not familiar with. It's called The Legend of Maula Jot. I I don't know that movie. I know I probably shouldn't pick... Oh, it's a new film. I shouldn't pick a 2022 film. 
But this is my sentimental pick. I wanted to pick a Pakistani film. Okay. But unfortunately, due to reasons that would be too long to get in here, Pakistan hasn't done a great job of preserving their films, and a lot of history has been lost. With that being said, in five years, I think we look back and we'll see that The Legend of Malajat was one of the most important Pakistani films since the original in 1979. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. And it's it, interesting. So it's a remake. Uh, uh, it's not considered a remake. It's considered an adaptation of yeah. the original, which oh, is an interesting okay. distinction. Interesting distinction. It essentially creates the template and builds the foundation for where Pakistan can go with their movies. It's mm. basically a gladiatorial revenge movie that creates a new language of action and a new cinematic language that hasn't existed in Pakistan before. It feels monumental already. Uh, huh. And that's the list. Thank you for taking time to give it a read, and thank you for shifting my perspective on cinema for the better from Musa. I need to see this Pakistani movie. I'm going to look this movie. I'm going to. I wonder if it's available on streaming yet. Hold on, I'm going to look this up right now. Check something. And like, then we can. Then yeah. we can maybe tell our listeners. What Check we're something doing. like movie. You know, that's. Well, I'm uh, looking at. There's a great uh, website called JustWatch.com, just yeah. and they don't have every single service, but they have most of them. And you put in a movie, and they'll tell you where it is currently streaming. Uh, it is currently not available for streaming. Uh, that might just be because it isn't on home video yet because it's so new uh but i will definitely keep an eye on it it looks really exciting uh thank you yeah, the legend wonderful, of Mala wonderful recommendation. yeah and now i want to rewatch so close as well so badass mm-hmm. um thank you everybody for writing in um again we'll, we'll keep them coming as we keep doing more we've got mails we'll probably do a little bit more like half and half yeah of of other letters and the sight and sound poles but we'll keep doing them until they start trickling down. We'll try to get to them all, but if there's a lot, we, we might have to pick our battles, and we apologize for that. But um, thank you, everybody, for writing in. If you want to write in, it's still... Keep bringing the sight and sound polls in. Knock yourself out. Uh, or just ask oh, us anything you want to talk about. Yeah, or just ask whatever you want to talk about. But if, you, if you're if you inspired to do your own sight and sound poll, list of the top ten films of all time, and hear us talk about it, keep doing it. Uh, our email address is letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. Uh, Whitney, what is our P.O. box? Yeah, send us a letter to... Uh, the Critically Acclaimed Network, P.O. Box 641565, Los Angeles, California, 90064. Yes, and if you've cracked the code, we always start with anything in our P.O. Box. Yeah. So if you want to guarantee we, your letter we, gets we get, read, it'll be on there. We still get few enough yes. physical letters if that we, we can read all of the ones if, we've gotten If so we far. start getting, like, It's a Wonderful Life, not, uh, if we start getting uh, Miracle on 34th Street bags of letters, we're also going to have to pick that battle too. But yeah. as long as there's a few, you, we'll always. If you go to the that extra effort, we'll we'll definitely read your letter as soon as we can. Um, but uh, yeah, thank you everybody for writing in. Great list. I love that there's some movies that I I'm genuinely pleasantly surprised are making your greatest films mm-hmm. of all time list. And I love that there's a couple of movies I've never even heard of, and I get to find out about. That's great. That's really there's, exciting. There's always going to be more to discover. And always. That's, that's the purpose of one, these lists, one of yeah. them, anyway. It, it warms my heart to know that, like, we've helped people find movies, but you're helping us find movies, too, and that's great. I love that there's, yeah. an, there's an exchange. Um, so, anyway, thank you again. Uh, if A big shout-out to all of our patrons. If you are enjoying the show and you want to get bonus shows, we have a lot of exclusive shows over at our Patreon page, and you can hear shows like this without ads, which I know can be a bit of like, oh, here's another ad. Um, <laughs> you can go to Patreon. Even $1 a month, you get you get a, 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 the new show is free without ads. Well, not free. It's $1 a month. But, you know, you get them without ads. Free of ads. That's what I'm getting at. I'm a little <laughs> over-caffeinated for, for this late at night. Um, anyway, thank you all of our patrons. You're amazing. Uh, and uh, thank everybody who wrote in. Uh, we're on Twitter, at Critic Acclaim. I'm at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. And seriously, have a great week. Thank you for supporting us and being wonderful. Sincerely yours, Bibbs and or Whitney. No, and Whitney. 
Me too. I'm here. 